this episode of Crop Talk. I am your host, Thad Stoffer. And joining me are the insurance product officers here at Compeer, Lucas Kami, Jason Gama, and Tom Timko. And for the listeners out there, normally we would have just the four of us and we would connect with each of you. But as we are continuing this COVID-19 work remotely environment, we are choosing to jump on and record a special uh, podcast devoted to dairy revenue protection. We know in the milk industry right now there are a lot of things going on. And so we thought, what better way to connect with our listeners than having a special guest? So we've asked today to have Michelle Sell, who is the Livestock Insurance Specialist here at Compeer, to join us and kind of walk through with the listeners here what we're seeing, what are some of the issues that we're having, and just kind of talk through that so hopefully we can be a resource of information for you. So listen, I'd like to just jump right in here. Michelle, first of all, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us here today. Uh, Michelle, you've been instrumental in a lot of work here at Compeer and dealing with our livestock producers, one of the first questions I think has come to mind as I've been reading and seeing things on the news is there's a lot of milk being dumped. If you could share with our listeners what what is going on, why, why is milk being dumped right now? Sure. So really it has to do with supply and demand and just an oversupply of product. Um, processors are really getting more milk than they, they can use now. Um, this has to do with uh, reduced and or canceled food service orders um, as restaurants are shutting down and their business has literally plummeted in many cases. Um, the supply chain is very specific for dairy products, uh, a lot of just-in-time deliveries, and the ability to shift from wholesale uh, marketing to retail, uh, a lot of the processors are just not equipped to make that change and uh, react on a dime. And as a result, processors have limited, uh, in some cases, the amount of milk they will accept from their producers that are supplying milk to them. Um, so that has forced that milk to be dumped um, because they have no, just literally nowhere to go with it. And in addition, they've taken steps to uh, mandate to their producers how much milk they're willing to accept um, in some cases, they have been asked to cut their production literally overnight by up to 20%, and that's not a really that's not an easy thing to do. So um, this is a developing situation, but it is it's it's very disturbing to see, you know, someone's livelihood going down the drain. Yeah, l- literally. In, in this case, uh, Michelle, if you would, and, and this is just a, a question I have as folks are, are dumping. When you think about those dairy producers, are, are there management things they're doing today that that can help them through this process, or are they just truly you know, cutting the herd and and just not milking all of them? Is there anything you could share with our listeners as to what your experience has been? Well, they have a few different options in front of them that they can choose to try to um, cut their production. One of them that would be the most immediate impact would be culling those cows, uh, lower producers or, you know, maybe older cows, ones that um, aren't as productive. But the challenge is, and we've seen that on the news, is that some of the processing plants where those animals would go are shutting down, sale barns are shutting down or limiting how many animals can be brought in. 
So the market for call animals is is challenging to get rid of more than just a handful at a time. So um, they can dry cows off early. Some of them have gone from three days milk, three times a day milking to two times a day. Um, they're changing their feed rations. Uh, many of them have nutritionists and other advisors that they're working with to try to figure out what the best uh, option is. They do have options. Um, many of them require, I mean, a, a huge shift in how they, they go about their daily business. So it's a, it's a culture shock, to say the least. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you sharing that because there's a number of our listeners who are uh, not in dairy country, and I think it's important to share what their fellow farm friends are going through in some some parts of the United States. Michelle, as, as we think about this this uh, challenge of, of milk dumping, a lot of our listeners probably are aware of, but if they're not, you know, in dairy country may not be aware of. Uh, last last year was let's see, was it 2018 fall of 18? There was a new. Uh, dairy revenue production policy that was established that does help milk producers uh, provide and get some coverage. As we think about this milk dumping going on, what what impact does this have today on the insurance policy that producers may have in place? So um, depending upon how much milk they have covered for a specific quarter, DRP is, coverage is taken in quarterly increments. So we look at the overall total of coverage for the quarter. In order to receive a full claim payment, if they have a loss for that quarter, they have to, the language says they have, for the policy says they have to market at least 85% of that amount. And when you think about someone I know of a few specific examples where someone has covered literally 100% of their intended production for a quarter, and now they've been asked to cut their production back by 20%. Um, you know, that, that becomes a concern. So um, that, that has been voiced by producers is how is this going to impact my, my payments. Um, with the way the markets have been, those payments, can't come too soon. So, and they're they're literally already looking forward to, to to know how much that money or how much they may be getting, what amount of money that might be, um, just because of the way the prices have fallen off here recently. Yeah, that's an important piece, uh, Michelle. I know we we at Compere, along with some other farm credit associations throughout the country, had had been working with and contacting RMA on on the producer's behalf. You kind of mentioned a couple couple of those challenges there. Can can you share with our listeners? Obviously, nothing is approved and nothing's in in writing here. But what are some of those areas we've been focused on trying to get some relief for those customers? Well, most recently, uh, the RMA has um, agreed that because the dumping of milk has become such a concern and so widespread, and we we really don't know when that issue will, will go away. That could be a long-term problem as we move into the, you know, coming months here. So they have uh, said that dumped milk can be counted as having been marketed because uh, that's the intention for this milk to be marketed. So the aspect of dumping is, is out of their control. It's something that no one really saw coming. Um, so that milk can be counted towards their marketing. 
Uh, it would just need to be documented um, either by their milk hauler or their milk handler or by the processor. So at this point, there have been some concessions made to try to um, work through that issue with producers who are having to dump milk and are looking towards having potential claims on their coverage. Hey, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Certainly a lot of trying times right now. Um, Lucas, what, what kind of questions are, are coming through your mind right now that may be helpful to the situation? Yeah, so um, I think one thing that that producers are, are struggling with now is so DRP is still available. We can still take it. Um, maybe today we've had it shut down. There are different shutdown days. But what, you know, Michelle, in your in your opinion or, or your thoughts, you know, as we're we're dealing with this, the COVID situation now, uh, what what should producers be thinking about now as far as taking endorsements? You know, we're, we're lower than we were at some other points, but what kind of things should we consider now about taking in endorsements as we go forward? Well, I think a lot of that's going to be dependent upon how much coverage they have in place and how far out they are. I mean, people... Their viewpoint has changed as far as before they were looking for a specific uh, price that they could protect. Um, now they're just trying to really limit uh, the losses that they might suffer. Um, we've seen people taking coverage at levels that maybe they wouldn't have before. Um, we're watching for any little bit of a rally in the market, which those have been few and far between, unfortunately. But... Um, Really, just reevaluating, I guess, your thought process and um, maybe being willing to settle for a little bit lower coverage price or um, trigger price. Just knowing that, I mean, we have markets that have gotten below eleven dollars, you know, in the ten dollar range. So, if the, those lower prices out further, even though they're not where they were, are, they're looking like a better up. They're looking like the lesser of two evils when it comes to do I want to get $14 locked in or do I want to take the risk that $10 or $9 might be what I end up having to settle for if I don't get some coverage put on. Yeah, I think that's a it's an it's a good point, an important point. Um, yeah, we don't we don't have the prices we've had before, but you know I think if we're looking at uh, fourth quarter of 2020, um, you know there's still some. There's some $15 futures, which maybe doesn't get a, a $15 floor, but at least you know it's better than, to your point, that 11 that we're that we're dealing with now. Um, so that that's an important thing. One more quick question: How far out? Do you know how far out we can we can um, take endorsements on the DRP policy right now? Um, out into third quarter of 2021, but only for component options for class. You can do out through second quarter. Um, typically, the third quarter would have been available several weeks ago, but the market conditions that trigger that to be offered have not been have not happened. So we're still as yet waiting for class options to be available, but can still do the first half of next year with class pricing on DRP. Michelle, if you would take a, a quick sideways conversation here and address the listeners on. For those that aren't in dairy country, the you talk about class component. Just, just give a brief overview of those two different pieces and why those are important for insuring under the DRP policy. Sure. 
So there's two options that they can select from. Um, the class option is based off of class three or class four or a blend of the two if they so choose. So in our territory, class three is pretty much what everybody is, is based off of as far as their pricing. And 80 to 85% of our endorsements are based off of class um, pricing options. We do have some people that do component options, which that is based off of their selected butter, fat, and protein levels that they choose to cover. And then um, based off of the daily butter, fat, and protein prices, as well as other solids, which is a fixed level, but those prices are determined daily. So it's about whether they want their coverage based on class pricing or component. Um, uh, most people have tended to go to class just because it's more straightforward, and then they don't have to worry about what their actual components are. Um, if they go with components, they have to uh, be able to produce or show that they produced at least 90% of those levels. So with going by just going with class, the class option, it takes that uh, consideration off the table as far as trying to hit certain component levels. And that right now is a big concern also with people um, adjusting their, their diets or their rations up for these cows. Um, in order to maybe go in and do a leaf cost ration, they could have, have a negative impact on components. So there's just a lot of considerations um, when making these changes. And that is another um, consideration that the RMA has recently made in terms of um, dumped milk is that they don't actually have to provide testing for components on that dumped milk, that would be pretty challenging. So for claim purposes, they will accept an average uh, component level based off the milk they were able to test. So that does take a little bit of a um, ease off their minds. They're not trying to struggle figuring out how I'm going to test this milk and it's going down the drain. So Great. Well, I appreciate you closing that loop, at least for me and maybe others on better understanding that. Getting back to the DRP policy and potential claims, I know within the insurance industry in general, there's a lot of documentation that is required. What what are some things that we need to be aware of as it relates to DRP and, and this milk dumping situation? So the first thing they'll need to provide is copies of their milk checks for the three months within the cover, uh, the quarter that they are they had covered or that there is a loss. Um, that's part of what the RMA has started allowing is additional documentation for that dumped milk. So um, they've been, the language is pretty vague, and I was told that that was kind of by design. Really, I guess the ideal scenario would be is for the producer to provide those pounds of dumped milk to their processor so that that can be listed on their milk check. That's probably the best and most official way um, to document that, and that is, um, part of the language that they've released on what would be accepted. They are also going to accept records from the milk handler, which would be the person that's hauling the milk. Uh, the challenge would be is in many cases that milk is not actually getting picked up, so um, that may limit that option for some people. But where it's a possibility, um, the milk hauler, if there's any sort of a weight ticket or anything like that, that can be used as well. So, um but again, working with the milk processor has seemed to be a good option, and some processors are being proactive and actually 
uh, giving their uh, producers a process to follow in which to get them that information so that they can include that on their on their monthly check. That's great. I think one of the key words you just used there is you know, working together. And right now, uh, even in, inside and outside of the dairy industry, we're all working together to do what we can to to make it through this and come out on the other side together. Michelle, this is Tom. You know, I'll be honest. I'm dairy is not my focus. It's more grains. So I've got three questions maybe that you can help me answer. Number one, the milk dumping. Where do they dump it? I think I've heard slurries maybe just on the ground. Does it act, of a, act like a fertilizer or is it just merely to get rid of it? That's one question. And then, I don't know, I'm thinking from the crop insurance standpoint, what, is there a reason why everybody doesn't take DRP just to set up um, a base? Uh, as far as a risk management plan. And then the third part is, I don't know if we know all the details yet on the COVID-19 aid to farmers and what that means for dairy producers. Are you able to shed any light on any of those? So as far as the dumping, I mean, I think it really depends on the operation, the size of the operation and their facilities. Um, some of them, it's just being pumped into their manure pit. Um, I've seen that there are some cases ability to you know go out and dump it out in the field i think dnr has some regulations they have to follow uh it, it depends on um the size of the operation they have CAFOs, which are concentrated animal feeding operations which are the larger dairies i think they have more restrictions than the smaller dairy so it it depends on the situation and how much milk they're actually dumping too i mean the quantity would have a lot to do with that as well whether it's even feasible to you know, put all that on a field. And remind me of your second question. I already... Yeah, from a risk management standpoint, as I think of crop insurance on grain, for example, is there a reason why everybody doesn't take DRP? I mean, that's that's kind of a million-dollar question. Um, I think really what Lucas kind of uh, hit on before is just getting um, a little more involvement um, on the financial side, making it a point of emphasis from their loan officers. I think that's going to be maybe a point of emphasis going forward, but we got to get through this current period that we're in. Um, there seems to be, and, and I know you as a farmer understand maybe the struggles in pulling the trigger with risk management or just marketing grain, uh, knowing, just having the confidence to go ahead and move forward and do it and know. I think there's a fear that you can do it, you can do something wrong, do it at the wrong time, but really we've just got to get through that mindset that, once you get that floor set, if the market goes up, you're only out the premium. And really, that's what we hope happens is that you only pay the premium and you don't have to collect, but you do have that peace of mind. If the market goes down, you've got a floor under it and you're not going to have to take, you know, if milk gets to $11 or $10 or whatever the price is, you don't have to. That's not what the price that you have to accept. We're going to, the insurance is going to kick in and fill in that gap. Um, it's just, we've got to get around that mindset of this you know, the timing and just knowing that if you pull the trigger at the right point at your, you know, at your cost of production, you really can't go wrong. So really when it comes to DRP, much like crop insurance, even if you're not typically able to lock in profits or break-evens, you're still establishing a floor. That's what it's about. Okay. Correct. Thank you for yeah. that. Yep. And as far as doing who does marketing right, you know what, I, I've got enough experience to say that that's, sometimes more difficult uh, than it might seem. So uh, I've made enough of mistakes in, in my life. But as a, 
As it relates to the uh, new COVID-19 farm aid program for dairy, do we know any details on that yet and what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be specific payments to, well, I mean, it's kind of, it, you know, there's limitations by commodity and by, and by entity in that. Um, I think the biggest thing is exactly how they're going to establish the price loss that they're supposed to be compensating them for as far as what price is going to be used. I don't, the rules have not been revealed as far as how they're going to determine that or the calculations. I've heard speculation. Um, they have specified that the FSA's DMC program will not be reopened, which was, I think everyone thought that was going to be a given, but they're going to move beyond that and look for other other means to, to you know, compensate them. Um, but right now, don't know enough specifics, but the comments I've heard is that people wish that was gonna, the limitations were not there because that's obviously going to, those caps are going to limit the impact and um, how, you know, that money may not go far enough in many cases. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Lucas, I know you've got a dairy background. You've worked in that area a little bit as well as your role here at Compeer. What, what else would you like to add to what Michelle's shared this morning? Yeah, and, and I, <clears throat> I know we're kind of bouncing in and out. There's a, there's a lot to, to talk about with, with DRP. One thing I want to touch on real quick as it relates to Compeer, and, and Michelle, please um, put in your feedback after this, is we see a lot of success. Um, with DRP and making people more comfortable with where they're going to take endorse uh, DRP endorsements when they're working with not only their crop insurance person to actually lock in the endorsement, but also their their financial officer or their their lending partner. Uh, we see a lot of success when when all the both the the client and the the loan officer and the insurance person are all on the same page. Um, so I I can't urge you enough if if you have questions about maybe where to lock in an endorsement, or if you're looking for some more, um, somewhere to be more comfortable, definitely talk to your financial person. Uh, as back to the, the question I asked Michelle about, you know, taking an endorsement now when the prices aren't as good as they were, but at least, you know, if you have strategy working with, with your loan officer, that kind of helps um, the confidence to, to, to make that decision. Um, so that I, I urge all of you, if you have questions about where to, to maybe start looking Start the conversation, start that, that partnered conversation with your loan officer and your insurance officer so you're on the same page. And the other thing we can do is that I want to touch on, and Michelle maybe was going to get there, let's say you have a conversation with your financial officer and you guys kind of come up with a price you might be targeting, um, albeit maybe not your cost of production right now, but again, this, is, this isn't locking in anything. You can still sell your milk higher. This is just... Um, minimizing the risk that's out there. But let's say you guys do agree on a, on a price. Compare has lots of tools available to to lock in or to um, monitor those prices, so it's not something you have to watch every day. We can help watch that for you, and we can actually set up alerts, so we don't even have to watch it every day. So we, when you do um, hit that price, that we can we can notify you um, that we're there, and now could be the time to to pull those endorsements. So I just want to make everyone aware. Um, we've built on a lot of tools, and, and maybe Michelle can touch more on those. But, again, just just help build the confidence in the decision you're making by involving a financial officer if, if you're more comfortable with that. And then there are tools out there to help us kind of watch those prices. No, I appreciate you mentioning that. I think that's important to give the producers kind of that confidence to move forward with 
um, taking the coverage at what level and what percent of their production. Also, too, I guess I'm noticing even more now than usual just because of everything that's going on and all that these farmers are dealing with is that um, risk management tends to not be the first thing that they think of when they get up in the morning, and it tends to fall off their radar. So by enlisting um, others to help you watch the markets and to help you uh, carry out a specific plan, um, we're more likely to get that done, um, and we're happy to do that. Uh, like Lucas said, we do have tools to set those alerts. Um, we have a newer tool called the DRP Analyzers uh, that will actually, we can set those alerts. It will notify us as well as you if we get that set up for you so that we don't miss those opportunities because in many cases, um, you may only get one day to take action and then the market moves and it's gone, you know, until we see another rally. So um, just working, you know, relying on a team instead of trying to take all that responsibility on yourself and trying to do it, do it all. It just, right now, it's just, uh, we get it. It's just not possible to get everything done that you have to do in a day. Yeah, great, great feedback and great comments there, Michelle. Thank you so much. Well, gang, listen, we could probably spend another hour talking about DRP and livestock in general, but I think we have highlights that are probably most most relevant today uh, for our listeners and to keep this podcast uh, timely. So first of all, let me say thank you, Michelle, for you joining us here today. We're, we're lucky to have you on staff and as that resource to keep us and our current clients in the loop. And you mentioned the DRP analyzer tool, something that's very viable to manage, manage risk on the farm there. Well, listeners, we again appreciate you tuning in with us here today. We would ask you, if you're not a subscriber, please go out there and subscribe. Give us a review. Uh, please rate us. And we thank you for listening and look forward to connecting with you on our next podcast. Thank you.